are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's reading, you can do so by heading over to Facebook, and there you'll discover the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and you'll be able to interact with me and other listeners and followers. We continue with our reviews of the podcast, and today's review comes from Grace Kelly 68 I am so grateful that I was told about this podcast. I've been wanting to read this for a while, but found it to be a daunting undertaking. Father Looney breaks it down and discusses the readings at the end. I have always wanted a relationship with Mary, and this podcast has made this possible. I am so grateful and very blessed. I highly recommend. Thank you, Grace. I know that it is such a daunting task. And imagine being me reading now for 365 days, but strongly committed to the project. I've always wanted to read them as well. This was the way that I thought I could do it, and happy to help others along the way to do the same. If you would like to help share the podcast, one of the ways that you can do so is by rating and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you listen, because your rating and review will help the podcast become noticeable in the different algorithms. Now, let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, You will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 151. We are reading from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 10, Paragraphs 468 to 475. Chapter 10. Christ our Savior is born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem, Judah. 468. The palace which the Supreme King of Kings and the Lord of Lords had chosen for entertaining his eternal and incarnate Son in this world was a most poor and insignificant hut or cave, to which most holy Mary and Joseph betook themselves after they had been denied all hospitality and the most ordinary kindness by their fellow man, as I have described in the foregoing chapter. This place was held in such contempt that though the town of Bethlehem was full of strangers and want of night shelter, none would demean or degrade himself so far as to make use of it for a lodging, for there was none who deemed it suitable or desirable for such a purpose, except the teachers of humility and poverty, Christ, our Savior, and his purest mother. On this account, the wisdom of the Eternal Father had reserved it for them. 
consecrating it in all its bareness, loneliness, and poverty as the first temple of light, Malachi 4.2, Psalm 111.4, and as the house of the true Son of Justice, which was to arise for the upright of heart from the resplendent aurora Mary, turning the night of sin into the daylight of grace. 4.69 Most Holy Mary and St. Joseph entered the lodging thus provided for them, and by the effulgence of the ten thousand angels of their guard, they could easily ascertain its poverty and loneliness, which they esteemed as favors and welcomed with tears of consolation and joy. Without delay, the two holy travelers fell on their knees and praised the Lord, giving him thanks for his benefit, which they knew had been provided by his wisdom for his own hidden designs. Of this mystery, the heavenly princess Mary had a better insight, for as soon as she sanctified the interior of the cave by her sacred footsteps, she felt a fullness of joy which entirely elevated and vivified her. She besought the Lord to bless with a liberal hand all the inhabitants of the neighboring city, because by rejecting her they had given occasion to the vast favors which she awaited in this neglected cavern. It was formed entirely of the bare and coarse rocks without any natural beauty or artificial adornment, a place intended merely for the shelter of animals, yet the Eternal Father had selected it for the shelter and dwelling place of his own Son. 470. The angelic spirits, who like a celestial militia guarded their queen and mistress, formed themselves into cohorts, in the manner of court guards in a royal palace, they showed themselves in their visible forms also to St. Joseph, for on this occasion it was befitting that he should enjoy such a favor. On the one hand, in order to assuage his sorrow by allowing him to behold this poor lodging, thus beautified and adorned by the celestial presence, and on the other, in order to enliven and encourage him for the events which the Lord intended to bring about during that night, and in this forsaken place." The great queen and empress, who was already informed of the mystery to be transacted here, set about cleaning with her own hands the cave, which was so soon to serve as a royal throne and sacred mercy seat. For neither did she want to miss this occasion for exercising her humility, nor would she deprive her only begotten son of the worship and reverence implied by this preparation and cleansing of his temple. 471. St. Joseph, mindful of the majesty of his heavenly spouse, which it seemed to him she was forgetting in her ardent longing for humiliation, besought her not to deprive him of this work, which he considered as his alone, and he hastened to set about cleaning the floor and corners of the cave, although the humble queen continued to assist him therein. As the holy angels were then present in visible forms, they were, according to our mode of speaking, abashed at such eagerness for humiliation, and they speedily emulated with each other to join in this work, or rather, in order to say it more succinctly, in the shortest time possible they had cleansed and set in order that cave, filling it with holy fragrance. St. Joseph started a fire with the material which he had brought for that purpose. As it was very cold, they sat at the fire in order to get warm. They partook of the food which they had brought, and they ate this, their frugal supper, with incomparable joy of their souls. 
The Queen of Heaven was so absorbed and taken up with the thought of the impending mystery of her divine delivery that she would not have partaken of food if she had not been urged thereto by obedience to her spouse. 472. After supper they gave thanks to the Lord as was their custom. Having spent a short time in this prayer and conferring about the mysteries of the incarnate word, the most prudent virgin felt the approach of the most blessed birth. She requested her spouse, St. Joseph, to betake himself to rest and sleep as night was already far advanced. The man of God yielded to the request of his spouse and urged her to do the same. And for this purpose, he arranged and prepared a sort of couch with the articles of wear in their possession, making use of a crib or manger that had been left by the shepherds for their animals. Leaving Most Holy Mary in the portion of the cave thus furnished, St. Joseph retired to a corner of the entrance, where he began to pray. He was immediately visited by the Divine Spirit and felt a most sweet and extraordinary influence, by which he was wrapped and elevated into ecstasy. In it was shown him all that passed during that night in that blessed cave, for he did not return to consciousness until his heavenly spouse called him. Such was the sleep which St. Joseph enjoyed in that night, more exalted and blessed than that of Adam in paradise. Genesis 21-2 The queen of all creatures was called from her resting place by a loud voice of the Most High, which was strongly and sweetly raised her above all created things, and caused her to feel new effects of divine power, for this was one of the most singular and admirable ecstasies of her most holy life. Immediately also, she was filled with new enlightenment and divine influences, such as I have described in other places, until she reached the clear vision of the divinity. The veil fell, and she saw intuitively the Godhead, instead, in such glory and plenitude of insight, as all the capacity of men and angels cannot describe or fully understand. All the knowledge of the divinity and humanity of her most holy Son, which she had ever received in former visions, was renewed, and moreover, other secrets of the inexhaustible archives of the bosom of God were revealed to her. I have not ideas or words sufficient and adequate for expressing what I have been allowed to see of these sacraments by the divine light, and their abundance and multiplicity convince me of the poverty and want of proper expression in created language. 474. The Most High announced to his virgin mother, that the time of his coming into the world had arrived, and what would be the manner in which this was now to be fulfilled and executed. The most prudent lady perceived in this vision the purpose and exalted scope of these wonderful mysteries and sacraments, as well in so far as related to the Lord himself, as also in so far as they concerned creatures, for whose benefit they had been primarily decreed. She prostrated herself before the throne of his divinity, and gave him glory, magnificence, thanks, and praise for herself and for all creatures, such as was befitting the ineffable mercy and condescension of his divine love. At the same time, she asked of the divine majesty new light and grace, in order to be able worthily to undertake the service and worship and the rearing of the word made flesh, whom she was to bear in her arms and nourish with her virginal milk. This petition of the Heavenly Mother brought forward with the profoundest humility as one who understood the greatness of this new sacrament. She held herself unworthy of the office of rearing up and conversing as a mother with a God incarnate, 
of which even the highest seraphim are incapable. Prudently and humbly did the mother of wisdom ponder and weigh this matter. And because she humbled herself to the dust and acknowledged her nothingness in the presence of the Almighty, therefore his majesty raised her up and confirmed anew upon her the title of Mother of God. He commanded her to exercise this office and ministry of a legitimate and true mother of himself, that she should treat him as the son of the Eternal Father, and at the same time the son of her womb. All this could be easily entrusted to such a mother, in whom was contained an excellence that words cannot express. 475. The Most Holy Mary remained in this ecstasy and beatific vision for over an hour immediately preceding her divine delivery. At that moment when she issued from it and regained the use of her senses, she felt and saw that the body of the infant God began to move in her virginal womb, how releasing and freeing himself from the place which in the course of nature he had occupied for nine months, he now prepared to issue forth from the sacred bridal chamber. This movement not only did not cause any pain or hardship as happens with the other daughters of Adam and Eve in their childbirths, but filled her with incomparable joy and delight, causing in her soul and in her virginal body such exalted and divine effects that they exceed all thoughts of men. Her body became so spiritualized with the beauty of heaven that she seemed no more a human and earthly creature. Her countenance emitted rays of light like a sun incarnadined, and shone an indescribable earnestness and majesty all inflamed with fervent love. She was kneeling in the manger, her eyes raised to heaven, her hands joined and folded at her breast, her soul wrapped in the divinity, and she herself was entirely deified. In this position, and at the end of the heavenly rapture, the most exalted lady gave to the world the only begotten of the Father, and her own Son, our Savior Jesus, true God and true man, at the hour of midnight on a Sunday in the year of the creation of the world, 5,199, which is the date given in the Roman Church, and which date has been manifested to me as the true and certain one. This concludes our reading today for day number 151. We have been reading from volume 2, book 4, chapter 10, paragraphs 468 to 475. I'm reminded of the words we read on Christmas Day. This is how the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ came about. And then the evangelist recounts the events. And so that's what we get today, kind of a play-by-play of, as they're in the cave, what happens? Well, they ate first. That's one of the things they did. And noticeably, after they ate, after their supper, they gave thanks to the Lord, as was their custom. We have our before-meal prayers, but did you know there are after-meal prayers? We give you thanks, Almighty God, for these and all thy many benefits, who live us and reign us, world without end. Amen. May the souls of the faithful departed, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. And so it's fitting, also at the end of a meal, to give thanks to God for what one has received, for how one has been nourished at that time. Even as Mary is so close to delivery, She doesn't forget to pray after her meal. Well, St. Joseph tells Mary that she needs to rest, and he prays then before bed. Joseph retired to a corner of the entrance where 
he began to pray, and then he was immediately visited by the divine spirit, and then that divine spirit showered different graces upon him to pray before going to bed. These are good moments for us to pray. When we pray before bed, we again thank God for the day we entrust tomorrow to him. Perhaps we share with the Lord our worries, our burdens, our sorrows, but also the joys of our life. Then Mary, when she awakes, she gives praise to God. And so it says that she prostrated herself before the throne of the divinity and gave him glory, magnificence, thanks, and praise for herself and for all creatures, such as was befitting the ineffable mercy and condescension of his divine love. So Mary is praising God in our name, in the name of all of creation. Mary is praising for us and with us because she knows that Christ our Lord is going to come forth. She has this vision that takes place then, and then Jesus is born. As we finished paragraph 475, it's like watching a TV show at the very end and it says, to be continued, because we will learn of more happenings as we make our way through this chapter of the mystical city of God. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today. And I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you and Mary pray for you.